extend a warm welcome to each and every one of you uh, here this morning, and it's so delightful to see these little ones and young folks with us and and to uh, hear the good songs of Zion that stir the heart to worship. Those are my favorite praise hymns. And, uh, and I'm so very thankful that Brother Andy and Brother uh, Nathan and Brother Drew didn't steal all my thunder this morning because everything that they've said to you about Father's Day, about being a good father, about uh, what it means uh, to have the gift as well as the, the privilege of being a father is, uh, is something that I fear we take for granted and we never need to do that. And I appreciate everything that they said and, and what Brother James said also. And, and I hope that the Lord will bless our study of his word together this morning. I'd like to begin with by asking you to open your Bible to the 46th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 47. We'd like to title our study this morning, The Glory of Our Heavenly Father. Now, when we talk about earthly fathers, we're talking about human beings that uh, err, that make mistakes, that stumble, that fall and fail uh, so often in, in, their, in their life and in their various relationships. All of us can concede that uh, we're far, far from imperfect, being perfect, and, and we concede that, and we agree with the scripture that teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we're all in need of saving grace. We're in need uh, so often of direction and guidance. And, um, and, and sometimes we're blessed to be able to go to our earthly father and find good, sound counsel. But for many of us, uh, our fathers are no longer here. We have and treasure many memories, uh, and we have their teachings we have the things that they've uh, extended to us through the life and the time that we had with them, and, and we treasure that always. And sometimes it's not easy to face a Father's Day. And uh, I understand that. And I want you to understand something else, too. Even though our earthly fathers are no longer there, no longer able to uh, fellowship with us here. We have a heavenly father that will always be there. He is the God who is there. And, and that is what I want to really focus on for a few minutes with you this morning. And I want to go to a very familiar verse uh, in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 46, and I'm going to read down from verses 9 through 13. And before I read this, I, I want to gather and remember the context in which these words appear. There's a lot of preaching in these verses. There's a lot of theological uh, principles drawn from these scriptures. But I want you to remember that the context of, of this chapter, as well as the two following chapters, are dealing with the prophetic word concerning the nation of Judah, that Judah one day would be taken captive by the country of Babylon. 
and 150 years before that ever occurred, God moved the prophet Isaiah to write some words that those captives in Babylonian captivity would read and understand better than the generation in which these words appeared. Here we find in verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things which are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, um, which I believe is referring to Cyrus the Persian, who would ultimately destroy Babylon, but he's referring to this ravenous bird coming from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, we need to, to focus on something here. You know, he says to remember. You know, the, 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 the critical part about growing older is that your forgetter works too well. You begin to forget things. You forget, you, it, can you relate to that? I can see several people uh, agreeing with that. And, uh, and sometimes God's people forget past mercies. Sometimes we're prone to forget our history. We're prone to forget that God has ultimately fulfilled every promise He ever made in the past. He's fulfilled every prophecy He ever made in the past. We, we fail to remember that. But here the Word of God this morning is, is compelling us to remember. We need to remember all past history uh, of fulfilled prophecies and promises that give us confidence in present day struggles, in present day mercies that God pours up, out upon us each and every day. And if we can relate to those present mercies that we now enjoy by the sovereign grace of God, we're able to have confidence for future realities. That's a very important thing to remember. As uh, Judah would remember these promises many, many years after this. But I want you to understand that our Heavenly Father's throne is unassailable. Our Heavenly Father's throne is unassailable. Satan cannot reach it. The world and all of its minions cannot reach it. Uh, it's important for us to remember that. In Psalm chapter 115, verse 3, the psalmist David said, Our God is in the heavens and hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. He's sovereign. He's ruling over all. But this sovereign God that we're talking to you about this morning is referred to over and over again as a father. Over and over again, God is uh, portrayed as a father. Now, he's a common father of all by virtue of creation in a natural way. All life in, in the world comes from God himself. As we read Malachi chapter 2 verse 10 
And remember what Paul taught, taught the Athenians in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. Because in that context, we find that God is real and that this God is above us and that he as creator is over all of the earth. This is my father's world in a very real sense of the word. But that's not what I'm talking about with you this morning. There is a special sense in which God is the father of the elect, those who were chosen in Christ even before time began. Those who are referred to as the chosen of God, the elect of God, the people of God, the redeemed of God. These are they that I am concerned about this morning. In a very special manner, the elect uh, through adoption, as we find in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, and through regeneration in Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. And being sons, Paul writes... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts whereby we cry, what? Abba, Father. That's that relationship that we have that is special. It's not just a common relationship. It's not just a relationship to God as a creator, but a relationship to God in salvation. We relate to God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, when we think about the glory of our Heavenly Father, we think about uh, how His glory is exhibited. Uh, we find in the Word of God that uh, the glory of our Heavenly Father is exhibited through His name. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 58, Moses wrote this. He said, The law was given that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. It is El Elohim, the Lord thy God. Here is our Heavenly Father. Nehemiah wrote this in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 5. He said, Blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Hallelujah. It's, it's a blessing to know God in this very special way as our Heavenly Father. It speaks to my mind of his omniscience and his omnipresence. Did you know this morning that had not God these characteristics, he would not be able to rescue you? He would not be able to um, know about your need this morning? He would not have the power to reach your need and to heal that need? Uh, but... The God of the Bible is omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, everywhere present, nowhere absent. Uh, secondly, the glory of God is exhibited in His power. Uh, Brother James mentioned that a moment ago. We're, we're thankful that we have a God that doesn't need the help of sinners to save other sinners. God does it all. God gives us the grace of faith. He gives us the grace of uh, belief. He gives us the grace of repentance. He is the one that does it from the beginning to the end. And he does it by his omnipotence, his, his all-powerful ability. We're talking about a God um, that is described in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35 as a God uh, that worketh his will among the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. And there is none that can stay his hand nor say unto him, What doest thou? You see, this is the God 
of the Bible that you and I call Father. He is a God who has this precious name. He is a God who has this wonderful power, this awesome power. Uh, I think about this in, in context with Exodus chapter 15. If we had time this morning, we would go back to Exodus 15 and just identify the various attributes that Moses um, tells us about the God who is our Father. But in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 1, he said, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed graciously in power. He's a triumphant God. He's not a God that tries to save sinners. He, he's going to give it the best he can to save everybody that he can. No, my friends, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is one that purposes. He said, I have purposed it. I will also bring it to pass. When he purposes to save an individual, brothers and sisters, he's going to get the job done. When Jesus Christ died upon the tree of the cross, he didn't have to wonder who would accept him or who would avail themselves of the precious blood shed for sinners upon the tree of the cross. Jesus Christ knew every one of them and died for them and said upon the tree of the cross, I am the children that thou hast given me. You see, he knew all of that according to this great power, this great knowledge, this great uh, ability and because of what he has done upon the tree of the cross, you and I can call God Father this morning. We can plead to the Father as his children and, and be secure in that relationship. That's why Moses said, I'm going to sing about it. <laughs> I'm going to sing about it. He exhibits the glory of his wonderful name in in his power and also thirdly he exhibits his glory in his holiness in his wonderful purity his perfect moral purity again uh, Moses said in Exodus 15 and verse 11 who is like unto thee O Lord among the gods who is like thee glorious in holiness fearful in praises doing mighty wonders who is comparable to the God of this Bible that we call Father. There's none comparable to Him. I think it's very interesting. As students of the Scripture this morning, I, I think it's very interesting to study the Shekinah glory of our Heavenly Father. How He revealed Himself, not only in creation, not, not only in the natural realm, but as he uh, went through time among his people in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34, when the tabernacle was constructed and finished, remember when it was dedicated to God, what happened? The glory of our heavenly Father came down and filled that tabernacle. The glory of God was seen and it was rejoiced in in that day. Then a few years later, the temple that Solomon built in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 10, uh, uh, verse, uh, 10 and 11, um, we find where when they uh, finished that seven-year project, and by the way, I'm, I'm kind of uh, thinking that's about how long it's going to take us to finish our baptistry back here. But, uh, but anyway, uh, the, 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 the temple... Uh, that Solomon built was uh, finished and completed. And, and again, we see the glory of Shekinah, the God that we call Father, coming down and filling that temple so that no man could stand 
in his presence. Oh, isn't that awesome? He exhibited his holiness. His holiness. The very place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept is called the Holy of Holies. Not only is the glory of the Heavenly Father exhibited in His name, His power, His holiness, but also in all of His wonderful works. Works of creation, works of providence, and absolutely the work of salvation. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, David writes, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show forth His handiwork. In Psalm 111, verses 2 through 4, David writes, The works of the Lord are great, honorable, and glorious. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. For the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Brothers and sisters, are you glad that your Father in heaven is is gracious this morning? Are, Are you glad that he's full of compassion this morning? Aren't you? I am. Not only that, we see in this reading of Isaiah chapter 46 that that the glory of the Heavenly Father is exhibited in His specific relationship with Israel. How He related to the nation of Israel. Remember, Israel means Prince of God. When God changed the name of Jacob from Jacob to Israel, He was identifying Him as a prince, as a chosen vessel in the economy of God Himself. I love Psalm 103. This has been my meditation all week long. Psalm 103, verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. All brothers and sisters, this is the God that we call Father. He's the one that has compassion on poor and unworthy sinners like you and I. And that is exhibited, isn't it, in the relationship he had with Israel. Remember in Isaiah 46 and verse 13, he says, I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off and my salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. See, what God does for a sinner is for his glory. Amen? What God has done for you and I, it's not because you and I deserved anything from God. The blessings of God upon His people are not meritorious. They're they're absolute grace, unmerited favor that's bestowed upon an unworthy object. It is that kind of God that we call Father this morning. He is our Heavenly Father. I think about the glory of of our Heavenly Father all through the pages of the Old Testament. But then when I come to the New Testament Scripture, I find John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only begotten of who? The Father. Who? What Father? The Heavenly Father. The Heavenly Father sent His Son into the world for a a particular purpose. Um, In John chapter 6, that whole chapter, but in John chapter 6, Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, 
but the will of my Father which has sent me. And this is the Father's will that has sent me, that all that my Father hath given me shall come unto me. Everyone without the loss of one. That's a precious truth, is it not? That's a precious truth. No one of God's children are going to fall through the cracks. Everyone for whom Jesus Christ died is going to be in heaven's pure world. How? Because of the love of the Father. The Father loved us, adopted sons, so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, to do for us what no one else could do. He came to suffer, bleed, and die as a sin offering upon the cross to take our sins in his body on the cross and to impart to us his righteousness. Hallelujah. I believe that the glory of the Heavenly Father is exhibited mostly in Christ Jesus himself. That's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, where he talks about the light of uh, the the, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shining forth in the face of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. That's where the Father worked His perfect will in the salvation of sinners in the gift of His own Son. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it is that wonderful truth that that uh, he upholds all things by the word of his power he he is the uh, image of god the father remember how many times uh, did they come to jesus and say oh okay show us the father show us the father i hope you're saying that this morning i hope children i'm talking to you too i uh, you little ones i appreciate your good attention this morning i, I appreciate you paying attention i hope you're asking the question that they asked of jesus so long ago. Show us the Father. We, we'll believe in Him. Show us the Father. You know what Jesus said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you by faith this morning are able to see Christ as Lord, see Him as Savior, I want you to know you're seeing the glory of the Heavenly Father that chose you to salvation. That's a wonderful truth embodied in, in those few verses, in those few scriptures. I think about this in context with the ministry of Jesus. So, so many verses come to my mind right now. But Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. When Jesus, and y'all all know this. When Jesus said these words, he says, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto babes. Oh, I pray that he'll reveal himself to you this morning. I pray that. I pray those that don't know the Savior and don't know the Heavenly Father in a saving way, I pray that he'll reveal himself to you this morning. He reveals it unto babes. He reveals it to our soul and makes it real to us, as Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-six. I think about this in the context of Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. And if you want to turn there with me uh, very quickly, very briefly, 
in the book of Colossians. You know, uh, our, our theme at our church is right behind me. Uh, right behind me, do you see this? That in all things he might have the preeminence. It's, that's talking about Jesus Christ. He must have preeminence in our songs and our prayers and in our preaching. Or it's not going to be the true message of salvation. It's just not going to be. And that's what Paul was dealing with in Colossians chapter 1. You know, he's talking about uh, Jesus and his perfections. And he, and he says in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist, or, or all things are held together by this wonderful Savior. And he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now watch verse uh, 19. If you, if you have your Bible open, you can read it out loud with me. This is a very important verse. Read it out loud with me. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Who did it please? The Father. Who did it please? It pleased our Heavenly Father that He would reflect His glory through His own Son and that He would call sinners like you and I that we could bow our knee to Him and say, He is Lord. He is Savior. And by His grace and enablement, we have the ability to obey Him, to trust Him, to love Him, to serve and to worship Him. It's because and for the glory of of our heavenly Father. Now turn back to Matthew's gospel with me. And I will, I'll close our study this morning in the book of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 6. This is a, a familiar, familiar uh, teaching. I'm enjoying our study with our grandchildren on Sunday afternoons. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount. And here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is this wonderful, wonderful prayer that Jesus taught and Jesus gave us because it's important, it's significant for us to remember this. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 6, you know, the question is about prayer. Teach us to pray. Uh, that they, they wanted to know, like you and I, uh, what it really means to pray in seeking communion with God, to pray with pure motives, to pray um, with confidence that God is really hearing what we're saying and what we're needing and to pursue God's will. Listen to what Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. He says, When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father... Your father, you, you see, your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you even ask. Now, I loved my earthly father, but my earthly father didn't know what I had need of before I asked him. He didn't know that. My, my earthly father didn't know how many hairs of the, I had upon my head. Of course, they're easier to count today than they were then. But he didn't know that. He, he really didn't know the deepest need in my life 
several at several points in my my experience but your heavenly father does your heavenly father knows what you stand in need of before you even ask after this manner therefore i want you to pray our what our father who art in heaven do you believe in the heavenly father this morning do, do you believe in the heavenly son this morning who are you praying to i hope it's not the republican party i hope it's not the supreme court of the united states i hope it's not to politicians because that's not where the resolution is that's not where the solution is the remedy the remedy for the downward spiral of america today is not political it is spiritual and it is high time that God's people awaken to our responsibility to shine as lights in a dark and perverted world. Not to isolate ourselves away from influence in the world, but to stand up in the midst of the world for the truth of Jesus Christ and the reality of our Heavenly Father. We do so by God's grace. Jesus said in chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light, your light, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is where? In heaven. See, it's about His glory, not our glory. His glory. And here Jesus is saying, I want you to pray to the Heavenly Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the holiness of God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is a comprehensive outline of the elements of true prayer. God's glory and man's need. That's not the other way around. Not, not man's glory and God's need. Somebody says, well, God needs you to do this. He doesn't either. We're the ones that have the need. Well, sinner, you need to find Jesus Christ. My friends, it's, he, it's, it's Jesus Christ that finds you. It's Jesus Christ that's speaking to you this morning through his word. It's Jesus Christ that saves the sinner. The Apostle Paul said, This is a true and faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, if you're sitting there this morning and you don't feel to, to be a sinner, let me tell you, I'm not here to comfort you. I'm not here to console you. I'm not here to rock you in your sinful state. I'm here by the grace of God to convict each one of us of our personal needs for saving grace. Each one of us are sinners. Each one of us need that saving grace bestowed. You know, to me, and, and, and I realize this is a little bit simplistic, but uh, to me, this model prayer is, is kind of like a letter that you would write to God. A letter that you would write to God. Because here it's addressed. It's addressed 
to a certain particular person, God in heaven, right? It, that, that's the address. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He's, he's, not, only a, he's not only addressing it to a specific person, but he's also giving you the address. He's giving you the place where the Father resides, and that's in heaven. And then he says, uh, give us this day our daily bread, not just our weekly bread, not our monthly bread, not our uh, uh, yearly bread, but our daily bread. And then he says something that's really hard. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said a lot in that expression because many times our lack of growth and our lack of peace and our lack of joy and our lack of worship relates to the conscious part of our soul that doesn't want to forgive someone. Whether it's a family member, a church member, a a member in society or, or wherever it might be. There's something there holding us back. Have you ever noticed when you look up the word forgive, it means to release. Isn't that beautiful? What happens when you forgive somebody that's injured you or hurt you or offended you? What happens in your heart? You release them. There's no longer any weight. There's no longer any burden there. So Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. And remember, you're supposed to forgive uh, those that have offended you. And he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For here it is. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the what? The glory forever. Whose glory? The glory of our heavenly Father, can you rejoice with me in that this morning? Can you, can you from your heart rejoice in the perfection of our Heavenly Father and the glory that belongs to Him? I want to close with what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Now, And this is my prayer for you this morning. Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Oh, may He comfort you this morning. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Brothers and sisters, let us rejoice in the glory of our Heavenly Father. Thank you for your good attention.